1: Welcome back, everybody. Another edition here of the Auburn Undercover Podcast on the 24-7 Sports Network. My name is Nathan King. Everybody, welcome back to the pregame pod for Auburn's second game of the season here in week two. Second of five straight home games to start out the year. They face San Jose State at 6.30 p.m. tonight. You're probably listening to this on Saturday morning. Hopefully you're listening to it on Saturday morning and Saturday during the day and not after the game has already happened. Uh, 7.30 uh, Eastern. Excuse me, six thirty Central on ESPN. U. And obviously, this is a program uh, we've talked about it all week. But Brian Harson has a lot of familiarity with. It's a former uh, Mountain West foe. Him and him and Brent Brennan actually go back to like two thousand four when they were both assistants. Um, Harson at Boise State. Brennan was an assistant at uh, at San Jose State. They they went up against each other a lot on the recruiting trail. Brent Brennan said this week and so they've developed a good relationship with one another so Brian Harson gets to welcome one of his uh one of his past foes into his new stomping grounds in Jordan Hare Stadium so we welcome in Mr. Jackson Moore who you guys will remember from the summer he helped us out and did a great job previewing the Spartans um and Jackson you know back then we were doing a lot of speculation and you know the, the season seemed so far away then it came out of nowhere um now we've got some actual data to talk about after uh after one week so I, I guess just for you, how did it feel getting back into the swing of things? I know San Jose State, like we talked about this summer, is just one of several programs that you cover. So I imagine the first weekend for you was a was a pretty wild.
0: <laughs> yeah, I got a little lucky. San Jose State and Fresno State, another team I cover, both played on Thursday. And then I got to get out to the Bay Area again on Saturday, and Stanford and Cal played uh, separate enough to me to get to both stadiums. So <laughs> it was a busy first weekend. Um, I would say San Jose State was probably the – Result I was the most surprised about. It was definitely a, a close one against Portland State and got a little scary. Um, but, um, yeah, we'll see. Uh, uh, not what I expected after fall camp, but uh, gives you something to think about where this team is, maybe compared to what we thought all August long.
1: Yeah, so we'll start there. Um, the the game, of course, in reference here, San Jose State beat Portland State in week one. Like Jackson mentioned, their uh, their game was on a Thursday it was twenty-one to seventeen. Portland State, I believe, held the lead for most of the game, and it, it needed a fourth-quarter touchdown um, for the Spartans to to pull ahead. Um, a lot of surprising things here, obviously. You know, besides even the final score, you go into this, Jackson. The biggest thing that stands out to me, the two biggest things: um, seven sacks by Portland State in this game. It, it couldn't have been a fun day for. Chevin uh, Cordero the the Hawaii transfer at quarterback and then I know sacks are included in this so I, I, I'm not exactly looking at the sack adjusted numbers but 1.7 yards per per running attempt against Portland State also not what you want to see so you know it, it it depends sometimes you know sometimes these are these are one-off games we've certainly seen that with Auburn in the past they try their best to lose these random games and then they'll turn around and you know beat an SEC West team the next week so it's not always indicative of course of an entire team's body of work, but I I guess just, um, you know, how surprised were you by this result and and really on both sides of the ball, what, what went so wrong in this first game?
0: Yeah. So I kind of anticipated that this game would be one that would be closer than Spartan fans would like to see and that it would, might be a slow start. I didn't think it would come anywhere this close to being a a disastrous start to the season, but San Jose state only had one practice in fall camp where they were in full pads and they did not scrimmage they didn't go live basically except for one day and they had a lot of guys dinged up they were they were more worried about i think getting to the opener healthy than prepared <laughs> in some ways and the other thing too is that they're going to play auburn and then they're going to get a bye week and then they've got 10 games in a row so i kind of feel like they would never say it but they're probably going to be one and one regardless. Uh, why knock each other around for two months and get banged up before you play your 10 games that really matter? Um, so having a defense that didn't do much tackling all preseason long and you know, new position, new players on offense, I think there's a lot on paper that says it's correctable, that I mean, they've got the players on defense to be really good. They've got skills players on offense to be a really good Mountain West team. But the one that's really – uh, a red flag is that offensive line, not just that they performed poorly, but they did have three players that uh, had never played a college snap before. They've got a redshirt freshman at left tackle, uh, two more redshirt freshmen at other spots on the old line uh, that, you know, they're, they're rolling with this season. And uh, for better or for worse, that was the one spot where they didn't really shore up the lineup. And it's looking like it's pretty costly right now. So I would expect uh, Auburn to terrorize San Jose State with pass rush and, and to limit the run, That's much like Portland State did. But I do think you look around to the rest of the team, I think the Spartans are going to be, at least for the majority of the season, pretty competitive if they can just get that whole line shored up, uh, which is right now a, a really big question mark.
1: You know, It's not often that you see the same problems repeat themselves as terribly in back-to-back weeks in in football um, but you know when you're going from that level of competition and heading to SEC country obviously playing a team in Auburn that didn't have a perfect first game but still still handled business um, pretty nicely especially on that defensive side of the ball that's that's just one thing I think that's like you said that's probably the biggest uh, you know red sharpie go ahead and circle it is that O-line against uh, against Auburn's defensive front because uh, you know the reality was against Mercer which actually had a pretty explosive offense for for an FCS team or at least what they showed in the previous week Um, They didn't cross midfield on their own accord against Auburn's starting defense. They were given field position on that side after interception. And then they didn't cross it again on their own accord until some of the backups started to rotate in. And so when we talked about it in the preview show over the summer, the the D-line we I assumed would be the strength of this Auburn team. And it it seems after one game that's that's probably not um, too far off. Now, now you predicted um, when we were we were talking in the in the summer that Cordero would be. The starter, it seems like that's obviously um, played out as such. Just, you know, the last time Jeff Schmetting in this in this Auburn defensive staff saw him, um, they were at Boise State and he almost led a furious fourth quarter comeback when he was at Hawaii um, and almost beat the Broncos in that game. So um, certainly a really experienced guy, very veteran player. Um, What does he need to do in this game? And I guess just, you know, his first start um, with with his new program this year. um, What were kind of your takeaways from him in that first game?
0: Yeah. Um, You know, I was just looking at the stat line early on. I mean, it was pretty on par with what I kind of anticipated with Cordero. I mean, he was moving the ball, his completion and, and yards were there, and he had a big run as well. All the things we saw on fall camp, but really started to crumble when the O-line broke down. And, um, you know, we saw, especially late in the game, uh, he had a couple of passes that I haven't seen him throw. I covered him at Hawaii too. I, I mean – he had a fourth down pass that looked like it lost them the game. We overthrew his target. Uh, They were fortunate to get the ball back and basically move back into scoring position with penalties (laughs) to to win the ball game. So um, I I hope that for San Jose state's sake, that that's more of a anomaly that he's going to settle in. And uh, because everything we saw in the spring and the fall said that he was going to be a very explosive player for this team, but uh, you can only do so much when, when your O line is performing the way that they did too.
1: Now one, one guy that we mentioned um, in the in the previous show was Elijah Cooks. So he had a great game for them um, out wide. If they're gonna have if, if they're gonna have any you know semblance of success in this game, you know, giving Auburn some some fits, which even Mercer was able to I mean, they got 16 points somehow. They were they were able to do it um, kind of in spurts, who else besides Cordero, obviously. You know, protect him make sure he's able to get to get easy throws um who else on this offense I guess are some some players at the skill positions that Auburn fans going into the stadium tonight need to sort of have their have their eye on and make sure they know
0: yeah Cooks is the big one he was a really big player for Nevada the last several years uh, San Jose State acquired Nevada's receivers coach and about three receivers from the Wolfpack in the process um Nevada had Carson Strong, um, an NFL caliber quarterback or on the verge of that, and a lot of big weapons, and Cooks was one of them. Uh, he had a lot of injury issues, though, so you look at his sheet, he doesn't have a lot of big numbers, but he's a big, tall receiver, uh, 6'3", 6'4", um, just a, a guy that they're going to throw to regardless of <laughs> whether he's open or not at, at times. Aside from him, though, you've got Justin Lockhart, the other Nevada transfer who um, was not – probably in the top four Wolfpack targets at his last program, but uh, he's definitely the number two for the Spartans right now. He just exploded in the the offseason and really surpassed the returners that San Jose State had. They've got a tight end, Sam Olson as well. Uh, He's missed most of last year with injury. When he's been healthy, he's made some big plays. I'm sure they're going to try to get him involved a little more. And at running back, a position that didn't see a whole lot of success in the opening week, uh, Kyrie Robinson is a guy who uh, was kind of second in the backfield the past several years, and now he's trying to lead that group. And Shamar Garrett is kind of your, your special teams, big playmaker that is going to be that number two back and might be able to break a big play if uh, the circumstances are right.
1: It's only a kick, a jump, a block. It's only a serve. Now listening to to Brennan on Tuesday they obviously are preparing for Auburn to play both quarterbacks that's not something that's not something Brian Harson is shying away from there's honestly no reason to change it from week 1 TJ Finley still their starter um Robbie Ashford though um is the backup it, it's you know interesting looking back on it Harson referenced this time at Boise State and I'm sure it's something you remember from from being around him in that program then uh he wasn't a stranger to playing multiple quarterbacks back then, whether it was because of injury or other circumstances, you know, they, they would cycle in multiple guys a year um, on a couple different occasions. So this is not the first time Brennan um, has seen something like that. But when you're talking about this defense, you know, there is still I think there, there's I think, you know, a silver lining and an opportunity for San Jose State, as there's going to be for anybody who plays Auburn in these early weeks of season. Um, this is not in any way a fully fledged you know, quarterback room for them. I mean, if, if anything, the, the backup guy has the more buzz right now, Robbie Ashford, the thought is maybe he could be the starter by the time Penn state rolls around. You had Finley who looked decent. And then he threw two interceptions against an FCS defense. So, you know, it's not as if San Jose state is going up against, you know, CJ Stroud in this game, what are some things on defense that you think they could possibly do to, to make life difficult for, for one or both of these quarterbacks?
0: Yeah, their, their strength is definitely in their front seven. Um, they're probably more of a Mountain West front seven than a, a power five front seven when you look at the size and the measurables, but uh, especially for a 3-4 defense, De uh, Hall was the co-Mountain West Defensive Player of the Year for the preseason, his second year running. He won the postseason award in 2020. Uh, Junior Fajoko, the other defensive end, all Mountain West pick, linebacker Kyle Harmon. I mean, they've got three of the top <laughs> front seven players in the whole conference, but These are not huge, massive athletes. They're probably on the quicker side, and um, they're not going to overwhelm you with size. It's going to be more with athleticism, which may or may not work in SEC territory, but it usually works in the the teams they're used to playing. Um, Probably more so against a a less mobile quarterback. Uh, Portland State, they didn't get one single sack against the Vikings, and they did have uh, some mobility back there. Uh, Their quarterback was able to evade some of that. they do have some size that knows they have some legitimate, like 6'4, 300 plus kind of guys that are going to eat up space and let the rest of the defense work. Um, in the secondary, they've got some established talent. Uh, Trey Jenkins, as well, really good at safety. Nehemiah Shelton's like a 6'3, tall, long cornerback who is usually pretty solid in coverage, but uh, probably not quite as well rounded back there. So, uh, overall, this is a defense that's has almost the entire lineup back from 2020 when they went undefeated in the regular season during COVID and, and won the mountain West. Um, but they kind of haven't been at the same level since then, despite having all those same players back. Uh, they did have one big portal move where they got chase Williams from USC at safety and he didn't play the opening week. So kind of negated what we
1: thought might be an impact there. All right. Not asking you to make a, a score prediction unless you want to, um, but just kind of your general, you know, thoughts on this game and, um, you know, how you m- see things playing out Saturday night. And, you know, just if you have one or two more um, thoughts on you know what San Jose State would need to do to keep this thing competitive going into the second half. I don't, you know, don't think many people would um, expect them to win this game at the same time. It's the same thing we talked about last week when we were previewing Mercer. Um, it's Auburn. You've seen them do this kind of thing. Before and, and look, the last time San Jose State came to Auburn in 2015, it was it was actually a pretty close game. It only became a two score game um, in the fourth quarter. So I guess just how do you see things playing out um, Saturday night under the lights in uh, in Jordan here?
0: Yeah, and uh, when the Spartans, I, very different circumstance. But when they did go to Arkansas in 2019 and, and won that game, that was kind of the launching point for the expectations that have risen at San Jose State. It was a really struggling program for the longest time. Seems like they've got their feet under them now, even though. They took a step back last season. They still got a lot of the same players that had a lot of success uh, between red shirts and the COVID year. Um, But for me personally, I thought kind of going into this season that they'd be able to put up a fight, but kind of sensing the direction of fall camp, kind of the way that they've taken things slowly and carefully, and especially after the way they played against Portland State, my expectations aren't too high, Uh, I think you know, they're going to give it their best shot, but I don't think they're going to be too disappointed coming back probably one and one uh, getting the bye week, and then really doubling down, focusing for the 10-game the t- stretch that they're going to have after the bye week where there's a lot of coin flip games, a lot of things that are going to decide it. Um, we'll see. Uh, maybe they'll have that kind of chip on their shoulder that some of these Mountain West teams take to places like Auburn, but um, I'm not really sensing that they're going to get that kind of performance in week two, uh, with the way that Fall camp went
1: yeah as we currently sit right now I believe it is 22 points um, would be the the current spread obviously um, in favor of Auburn and seeing a lot of people uh, seeing a lot of people definitely take that right now well like you said at the I mean when you talked about it at the beginning the, the direction that they that they took in Fall camp and some of the things that Brennan did for them in fall camp it you know I, I was kind of wondering the reasoning why and, and over the course of the show you've done a good job of explaining. Um, you know that like you said they they're okay coming back from this one and one making sure everybody's healthy Um, like you mentioned there are some certain personnel deficiencies in in this type of a game Um, and getting on to a Mountain West season where you know I believe we talked about this over the summer but I mean the expectation for them is that they can make it back to a ball correct
0: definitely Um, you know last season was quite a disappointment and they still went five and seven and they were one win away from getting there and especially this year because the Mountain West is pretty down. Um, San Diego State got uh, taken out by Arizona in their grand opening (laughs) at their stadium. Boise State got beat up pretty good by Oregon State. There's not a lot of good teams in the conference this year. A lot of them got just demolished by the transfer portal and coaching changes. So uh, the conference is ripe for the picking for the Spartans if they can play well in in the big games on their schedule.
1: Yeah, we've seen it in years past, teams that that play Auburn – early in the season, you'll look back. I remember, I think it was Kent state a few years ago um, had a really good season after Auburn just, just handled them when one of the, one of the opening games. So we, we of course, uh, after this, will be checking back with the Spartans and seeing what they do after their game at Auburn. So I uh, wanted to say, thank you so much to Jackson for, for hopping on the show today, Jackson, uh, you know, this is your opportunity now to, to plug what you've got. And for anybody who is interested um, in mountain West football and everything else that you, Um, cover over there, like I mentioned at the beginning, um, you've got a, you've got a loaded plate this, uh, this football season, but I I know you enjoy doing it. Tell people where they can, uh, where they can get any coverage of that if, if they'd like to, um, and what you've got planned for the season.
0: Yeah. You can find me on Twitter at Jackson Moore, 24 seven. Um, I kind of retweet all the coverage there and maybe link it to the right place for all the, the teams I cover. But if you want to check out San Jose state coverage, it's at inside the Spartans.com. Um, I have the other teams i cover include fresno state it's barkboard.com We've got stanford at cardinal 247com cal at bear territory.net and hawaii at warriorsportsnetwork.com so uh, if you're ever curious about what's going on with any of those teams you can uh, check us out on 24 7 sports there
1: you'd be surprised you'd be surprised uh, how how far reaching some of uh some of SEC folks is, I guess, you know, the, the, not only the fan base, but some family ties. We had a guy last year say that uh, he he grew up. A, he went to Penn State. He was a diehard Penn State fan. And then he moved to he moved to Auburn after graduation, became an Auburn fan. So he became very conflicted in that game last year. So you never know Is what does Stanford have a chance against USC? Uh, that supposed to be a pretty big game Saturday night.
0: I'll say this. Uh, Stanford, their biggest issue last year was in the trenches. Uh, offensive line, defensive line. Uh, I don't know if they've solved that, but they've got probably an NFL quarterback, a couple NFL receiving targets, and a couple NFL guys in the secondary. And it's a strength versus strength against USC, who is you know loaded up on quarterback and receiver and all that. So I would say if there was one top 15 team you want to play at Stanford, they're getting it with USC. I don't know if it'll be close. I don't know if they'll have a chance to win, but the matchup is as good as they can ask for because if they took on a team that was had Caleb Williams and Jordan Addison type athletes on the lines oh man I think it would be ugly for the Cardinal but they, they got the right uh, strengths to go up against this particular matchup
1: yeah good deal it's just not an it's it's not a loaded weekend you've got uh, Alabama and Texas to start things that's a high profile game but I mean I don't think it'll be very close. Um, they got a couple ranked matchups, I think Tennessee and Pitt. So, I would, yeah, I definitely wanted your take on that one because that is one of the more intriguing ones. Um, uh, check out uh, Fresno
0: State, Oregon State, 10-30. Uh, That's on, our pick, That's pick on our pick on our pick this uh, week.
1: Both teams are getting votes. Fresno State's
0: supposed to sell it out. And uh, Fresno State is really trying to make a case to get one of those uh, vacant, potentially Pac-12 spots. <laughs> so uh, they're going to sell things out, and they're going to be rowdy against the Beavers.
1: There you go. That'll be a good one. Yeah. I, I like to add games to our pick 'em sometimes that um, are a little bit out of our region and then kind of look 50 50 um, just so I can make sure everybody's actually doing their research for it. So uh, yeah, Oregon state beat. I mean, this is a big win for them talking about Boise state. They got that. Uh, they got the W over them in the, uh, in week one. So that's a, that's a much improved team. So um, anyway, thank you guys so much for listening to this episode of the pregame podcast. Thank you so much to Jackson for hopping on again, that's at Jackson Moore. 24 7 where he is going to have all that stuff go ahead and give him a follow for the game as well because he'll be uh he'll be talking about the spartans and uh, auburn obviously facing off six thirty p.m central time on espnu if you guys enjoyed it please leave us a five star review the intro and outro music is by beats by mordecai you guys can follow him on twitter soundcloud and instagram and until the next episode where me and jason will react to the game on sunday morning we will catch you guys later everybody enjoy the game Monday. Federal agents. Here's where we can see them. NCIS Hawaii is back. To set it all up. New criminals to catch. Armed robbery, aggravated assault, murder. And new investigations to be solved. These guys were good but even masters make mistakes. Vanessa Lachey and featuring LL Cool J. Finally,
0: island, you got it. Welcome
1: to paradise. A new NCIS Hawaii Monday 10 9 central on CBS and streaming on Paramount Plus.